If you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to continue our study in the book of Acts. Uh, today we're going to cover Acts 16, and hopefully we can make it down to the end of the chapter. So that's verse 40. So Acts chapter 16, we're going to look at it verse 16 through 40. Um, let me read the word and, and um, pray for us. And walk through this message, this word here, um, before you guys here this evening. So let's, let me read it for us. As we were going to play uh, to the place of prayer, this is we is getting at. You guys remember Luke, Timothy, Silas, and Paul. Um, They're all together here um, in this text. Uh, they have came from the Asia Minor. I'm not sure where Luke came from to jump on this trip with them. But now we see in verse 16, as we were going, that's the consisted of the brethren here. And we referring to this pronoun dealing with Luke. Luke is right now. Luke has wrote the book of Acts. He's telling the story about when they went here now. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divin divination and brought her own much game, owned much game by fortune telling. Some version might say soothsaying. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, pretty much she got on Paul's nerve, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Verse 19. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them, tore the garments off them, and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison, fastened their feet, and stopped. About midnight, Paul and Silas, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoner had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm her yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him to all who were in his household. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. 
Then he brought them up into his house. He set food before them and he rejoiced alone with the, his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was the day, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these were the words to Paul saying, the magistrate have sent to let you go. Therefore come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. Do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Amen. Um, let's pray and see. Uh, There's a lot going on in the story. Uh, one minute they're arrested, one minute they're eating, eating the, the house of the people that's, uh, that's looking over them in the jail. So what's going on in the text? What is the Lord revealing to us in his word? Let me pray for us and we'll walk through it together. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us back this evening. Uh, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to uh, be with us as we walk through your word. Uh, let your word, Lord, be enriching to us. Um, let us, Lord, be attentive to your word. And let your word, Lord, um, show us your faithfulness, Lord, even when the world is against us, when people are against us. Let us be reminded, Lord, what does it mean to continue to be prayerfully, Lord, waiting on the Lord to come rescue us. So Lord, we ask you, Lord, to just bless this time. Give me the strength, Lord. I'm weak. Um, like always, I need your strength. I need your wisdom. So help me preach your word faithfully uh, at this time, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, I sent out a quote yesterday and Greg read it earlier during Sunday school, but I want to read it now um, about Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot said this, there have been some hard things in my life, of course, as there have been in yours. And I cannot say to you, I know exactly what you're going through. But I can say that I know the one who knows. And I've come to see that it's through the deepest suffering that God has taught me the deepest lesson. Family, there's no mistake. There's no mistake when we go through bad and suffering and hard times here in life. Your, tar, your car going flat. Can't pay your light bill. I mean, you feel like everything around you is falling in. And a lot of times we feel like, well, God has left us. Because I'm living in sin, God is not answering my prayers. All of these things bad is happening around me. Elizabeth Elliot said we should interpret those bad times as deep, deepest lessons for us to grow more in Christ. So what does it happen when you got a flat tire on the way to an interview? Lord teaches that he's in control, doesn't he? What does it happen? What's happened when you don't have enough money to pay a light bill? Have enough money to put gas in your car? It causes you to trust the Lord even more. 
What does it happen when you want to step in the situation, but if you step in, you can make a mess of a situation. What is the Lord teaching us in that moment? He teaches us what patience. He teaches us long suffering. When somebody get on your nerves, right? You got some people like you. Ah, oh, here they come. They coming around again. What is he teaching? He's teaching us long suffering. As Christian believers, as believers, the Lord always uses trials and tribulations to teach us deeper lessons in life, to grow us in maturity of the Christian. We see that here in our text. Not too long ago, Paul was in Lystra and they stoned the brother. The brother almost died. They stoned him for proclaiming the gospel in the place. But now here in our text, he's proclaiming the gospel. He's arrested. Instead of complaining about the prison, man, man, they ain't giving us no water in this thing, the water dirty. Uh, man, the, the dog on guard be tripping. They ain't let me get my phone called in this thing. All these things they, they can be thinking about in prison. But what are they doing here in our text? They're praying. To the Lord and they're singing hymns. Praise the Lord. They're praying and singing hymns. The brother got stoned. Now he's praying and singing hymns. Mm -hmm. So I asked us today, out of all the lessons the Lord has been teaching us, what are we getting out of those lessons? That's good. What are we getting out of those lessons? Are we going through the same cycles, complaining when we get in suffering, and forget what the Lord is doing again and again and again? Family, it's the reason why the Lord is allowing us to go through the same thing over and over. The Lord wants us to open our eyes and see areas that he wants us to grow in, in Christ. And today we're going to see just the, the progressive nature of Paul and Silas of not giving up. How they persisted in standing for truth when everyone else around them at this group regarding truth. So how are we going to do it today? We're going to do it today in three points. Paul and Silas arrested. We're going to talk about how they got arrested, what happened, what, what charges they got brought against them. Point number two, we're going to get Paul and Silas are not fearing the current situation. They're going to get in jail. They're not going to fear being in jail. They're not going to be afraid of being in jail. And point number three, last thing, the Philippian jailer saved. We're going to see that the Philippian jailer here is going to be saved. Not only him, also his household is going to hear the gospel and be saved. So let's jump right into it. Paul and Silas are arrested. Last week we heard about now has Paul and Silas and Luke. They came all the way over from Antioch. So if you look at the United States of America, let me help you out with a map to give you some detail. Say... Say if Arkansas was, say, Jerusalem, if Arkansas was Jerusalem, um, Antioch would be, say, up towards, say, Pennsylvania area. So you got Arkansas as like Jerusalem, Pennsylvania is close up there by, say, Antioch, Damascus area. Well, on the other side of the country, you got way over here, or way far over on the opposite side, you got the state of Washington. So now the, the disciples, now they're way over in Washington, the Philippian, Philipp, Philippian area here. They are far away from where the church is Antioch. They're on the opposite side of the country, aren't they? They're on the opposite side of the world, almost. They're a thousand miles away on the opposite side. 
And so they have established churches all throughout the Antioch area. You got established church in Jerusalem, but now they're going to a far reach area, which is the European area now. Now they're actually over there proclaiming the gospel for churches to be established. And last week we heard that the, one of the first person to respond to the gospel in Europe we hear is a lady named Lydia. But Lydia is actually from a place called Thyatira. Thyatira, say a little bit closer over, said Thyatira is close to Colorado. I'm just giving y'all states to kind of give you a visual representation of kind of where they're at. So Colorado is Thyatira, and that's where Lydia is from. So it happened the sisters far off over towards Washington, over in Philippi, which is the Macedonian area. And she's over there making money. Thyatira Tower is a place known for purple, purple goods, selling purple. And so she was over there selling purple goods. And she was making a lot of money. But on but always on the, I guess the, the day of the Sabbath, they would go out and pray. So she had heard some type of Old Testament good news, but she didn't know Christ, who Christ was. So Paul and Silas went out to pray, and they met her there in Philippi out there praying. They shared the gospel, and she responded to the gospel. So now we got another Sunday. We got another, or another Sabbath. We say Saturday. Um, these people right here are now getting a lot of Old Testament. They're still holding on to Saturday being the Sabbath. So what happened now is that Paul and Silas and Timothy, they go back to the same place of prayer where they met Lydia. If Lydia responded to the gospel there, and many other people are actually praying, maybe we go back, there's more people going to hear the gospel and respond to it. So they go back to share the gospel again. They hear people praying. What happened now? They meet another lady. This one is a slave girl we see in verse 16. Um, some of you guys' version might have servant girl. Some of you guys' version might have damsel. Um, not sure what version you guys may have. But this is a young girl. This is not a grown woman. A young girl, probably about 12 years old. And so for her is that she was gifted in a certain way to do spirit of divination. Or some people would go on to say she was actually able to make her owner's money by being a soothsaying. She was able to prophesy the future events. She was able to tell a lot of things that was around her that was actually true. I mean, she Everything she said wasn't true because she's not a prophet of God. But something she said was actually true. And people started responding to it. And the owners made a lot of money off her. A lot of money off her interpreting different visions or different situations and telling everybody what's going on around them. So she was able to be truthful about a lot of things. But one thing about it, though, is that a lot of times we see spirit of div divination. We think about someone is just overly possessed by demons. And by being overly possessed by demons, they would just send all types of crazy stuff. But here we see in verse 17, it said, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. This is not crazy stuff. This is the truth. These are men of servants. These are men. These men are servants of the Most High. God, who proclaimed to you the way of salvation. So it's not, this spirit of divination is not lying here. Because Paul and Silas are sent out by God. They're sent out by the church to proclaim the gospel. So 
So even though she's saying these truthful things, she's still lost right now. Head knowledge can't save. Amen. You can do all the right truths in the Bible and still be lost. It's not about coming to a, a knowledge of knowing more truth in the sense of head knowledge. If it doesn't hit the heart, you're still going to be lost. We hear this every single day. It's a Christian rapper. I don't know if you guys seen this right, uh, lately that denounced the Christian faith here this past week. What if the scripture says is that they went away from us because they're never part of us. We also learn in James too. The demons know God. They know God is one. But the demons ain't submitting to God. So family, are we like this slave girl at this time? Is it just head knowledge? Are we saying a lot of truths, but don't believe it? Or not walking in it? Or it's not submitting in it? I was talking to a brother earlier. So something something so unique about the local church. The local church can read out a lot, weed out a lot. Because one thing about the local church is that as Christians are walking together, we are seeing the brokenness of each other. We're encouraging one another. We're sharpening and arming one another. Not being committed to the church, only thing you can do is just get all the good stuff and not have any accountability. The church is a place that God uses to be able to, for us, in our own health. It's hard for a person to see that they're lost for 50, 60 years in the local church that is preaching the gospel with accountability. It's hard for a person to be lost and go to hell and them be surprised of it. It's, it's, it's hard. But, but walking together in a true biblical church, a brother or sister put you to the side, brother, I love you. I know we're not perfect here. I know we're struggling in different things. I know we struggle at times. But brother, I don't see a fear of God in you. I'm not saying somebody going around and judging everybody, waiting on somebody to make a mistake. But something so unique about the local church, the local church helps us. It helps you that, man, I might be walking on the wrong track. I thought I knew all this head knowledge, but a brother come alongside me and seeing that no, it's all this head knowledge, it's no heart knowledge. So family, let us not be so proud from putting a guard up. If we're not submitting to that truth, family, we're just like this slave girl. That, that, that know the truth, that heard, that said the truth, but not walking in that truth. But if I guard so hope and so much like pride, I ain't no way. I responded to the gospel. And I know what I believe. I, I, I responded to the gospel. But if you respond to the gospel, you have a fear of the Lord. And I'm not I'm talking about a spiritual perfectionism. Nobody in this room is perfect. And I'm not talking about triumphism. That you're going to get better and better every day. That you should better be like the next person. I'm not talking about that. But a person that loves the Lord and hate their sins. That's a basic Christian. They love the Lord and they hate their sins. Are, are they struggling? Yes. Are they fighting? Yes. Are they getting better this day? They might not be as better as someone else. But guess what? They hate their sins. This damsel here that we see in our test, it's not about her hating her sins. She, she's making money for these owners. It seems like she's enjoying doing what she's doing. She's been making it for so long. 
What does Paul do? Paul does the same thing we do. Have y'all been around a family member or someone you know that's always quoting scripture, got a beer in their hand? They're drunk, all oh, they are, they pretty much are drunk, and they just quoting scripture and talking about the Bible. Oh, yeah, I know this about the Bible. How do you feel when somebody just misquote God's word and don't have any type of, 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 of reverence towards God? Don't have any type of love towards God, fear towards God, and they just quoting Bible verses. Sometimes you get annoyed, don't you? Sometimes you get annoyed, like, hold on, you, you are misusing that truth. You are abusing that truth. I think that's how Paul felt in this text here. Paul heard this woman using, saying all these things about the truth. It's talking about, well, there are fathers of the most high. That she's saying all these things, but Paul got to know it. You might be thinking, like, Paul, why are you going to know it? She's telling the truth. I think Paul got to know it because she was using that truth that she knew, but she wasn't using it in the fear of God. And through her, many probably can be led away by her spirit of divination. That while she told the truth here, she's going to continue telling the truth. She can continue saying these certain things. She said the truth about Paul. We should listen to her about other pagan gods. You see what can go wrong with this? She can lead people astray with her soothsaying. She can say some truth in a moment and say some falsehood. We've seen this this past week with the guy that did some disgusting things in his hand this past week. He might say a lot of good things. Then all of a sudden, he might say some things that are totally away from God's word. That's what we say about Joe Austin. Our brother said a lot of things God does love. And all these things about God is the love of God. He came and died for sinners. And man, he said a lot of good things on the other side of this. He don't speak nothing about God's wrath. Family, let us not point fingers at this soothsayer or this slave girl, but look at our own hearts. Are we walking in that truth? Are we truly walking in the truth of God? What Paul do here then? Paul responds in a special way here. He gets a great annoyance. He turned around and commanded the spirit to come out of her. This reminds me of the test. You somebody don't cast the pearls to swine. You know, don't misuse God's word and give it to those that's going to trample upon God's word. So Paul says she's trampling, misusing God's word right here. So what Paul does here, Paul responds in a, in a, in a, in a unique way. He turned the command the spirit to come out of her. And when this happened, the spirit did come out of her. The owner got upset. Because the owners now, they didn't care nothing about the health of this woman, this young girl, this, this damsel. They didn't care nothing about the health of this damsel. They cared about the money they're making off this damsel. So for them, they're saying is that Paul don't mess with their money. They seized Paul inside and dragged him before the rulers. They was upset. They was upset that now their money now is going to be limited because now the woman now has turned to Christ. Said, but when her owner saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. And they dragged them to the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the master, they said, these men are Jews. Y'all notice that? They didn't say 
these men converted her to Christ. They just came, they came out and said, these men are Jews. That was one of the lowest blow they can do, right? They went and said they were Jews just better get the crowd routed up. For the Jews around here, the Jews are always trying to take, up, take over stuff anyway. So they Jews to get these guys arrested. They could have came out and told the truth. Hey, we had a damsel. She made us so much money. Man, we're making money all over this place in Philippi. All throughout Macedonia, we're making so much money. Hey, they came over here. They cast their spirit out of her. Now she don't know nothing now but Jesus Christ. So right now, they're like, man, they messed up. They could have been honest with the Lord. They could have been honest with the, the magistrates. Hey, this is what they did. But what did they do? They misused the time. They misused what was happening around them. So, huh. The Romans don't too much care for Jews anyway. Matter of fact, they're disturbing the city. We're in the first century. We already saw a lot of wars already within other, you know, uh, communities within Rome. Man, hey, Roman emperor, a hey, magistrate, hey, this can cause another war around town. They're Jews. They're going to start another war around town. And they're just doing all this. And ain't nobody saying nothing to them, y'all. They went on and said in verse 21, they advocate for customs that are not lawful for us Romans to accept and practice. <laughs> One thing about Christianity, we have great moral values. The Christian faith, the moral values, Love God, love your neighbor. Treat, treat everyone like you want to be treated. It's like the moral law of God. Do not steal. Do not kill. Do not covet. I mean, that's the people you want to live in the community with. They have great moral laws, but what did it say right here? They're not holding on to the customs of Rome. Pretty much what they're saying is that they're saying that you don't have to obey the Roman Empire, the Roman government governor or the Roman emperor. And you notice too here, they didn't say one time that what the what Paul and Solid actually did, they cast out the divination out of this woman. They cast out the, the, uh, the spell out of this woman. You notice in the text, look at verse 20 and 21. It doesn't say it anywhere, does it? These dudes were slick. They were slick what they was doing. And what happened here? The crowd joined in. The crowd joined in. And they started attacking them now. These Jews trying to take over the community. These Jews right here, they're, they're, they're messing up wrong. We got to do something about these Jews. And what did they do? They tear the garment over here. Now they get ready to, 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 to slash out, get them slashes here. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering them to the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet into the stalks. 
they put them so far in the prison that they wouldn't be impossible for them to escape. All because of this woman, I mean, this young girl, this damsel, not able to actually foretell the future anymore. But family, not only Jews bring people before government, but also the Gentiles also bring people before the government. You guys remember the life of Jesus. It was the, the Jews that supposed to have been supportive of Jesus. They're the one that led Jesus to the Roman government. But now we see the Roman government here in our text bringing people before the magistrates here. The disciples are getting hit now by the Gentiles. In the life of Jesus, they was hit, get hit mostly by the Jews, but some Gentiles. And that's the life of the Christian. What one minute, if you're actually in the area of Israel, the Jews are against the Christians. If you're in the area of the Gentile, the Gentiles against the Christian. Hey, family, do you guys see what's happening here? Christians, we don't have a home here on earth. This is not our home. It's no safety here on earth. That's why Jesus goes to prepare a place for us. He goes to prepare a place for us. We are in this world, but not of this world. But this is not going to cause the faithful brothers to give up and be fearful, though. This is time to be fearful. These guys are in jail. They are in jail for, for casting out the spirit out of this woman, for this woman to come to be able to have a knowledge of Christ, And now they're locked up for this. And I think we can actually see this over and over again. Like, man, this is a the first century church, you know, and we're not going through this. It's just stories we're reading. This happened in the old history. Family standing for truth, no matter what century it is, standing for truth, family is always going to be those that oppose it. It's going to oppose you for standing for truth. The first century, the second century, the third century, Christians are always being killed for standing for truth. And, and one of the most visual scenes of this throughout history is the Reformation. With William Tyndall and Martin Luther actually going against the Catholic Church, and they wanted his head. The brother was fleeing all over the place, and he got saved by Frederick the, Frederick the Great. You got William Tyndall, and what's that, Lou, Lou Hallamar? Hallamar? I can't think of his name. But he's a guy now that you go to London, you still got a cross in the middle of the street and let you know a place where they put him to the stake and they burned him. I think it's Latimer, Latimer. But as many Christians have died for the sake of the gospel. Family, because of, I think the rich by God's grace, uh, regardless of a lot of bad things that happened in this country, um, the, the Lord... Um, allowed the Puritans to come to America and by the Puritans coming to America um, they were fleeing from religious um, um, abuse from the Church of England they flee from England and they came to America and they thought America was going to be the New Jerusalem and when they came to America they came here and they had new laws more like a theocratical place now that everybody submitted to God's law 
And so the federal government in America, if it's going to have a federal government, it had to kind of deal with the presidential roots of the country. So how was Christianity so important in this country? Because of the Puritans. Because of what the Puritans has done. And you see to steal some of the Christianity, even with nominal Christianity in America, America around the world is considered supposed to be a Christian nation. Where did that come from? That came from a lot of the groundworks of the Puritans. But one thing about it though is that what the Puritans have done, they have helped in a way that we don't see the same persecution right now as what people in China are experiencing right now under a form of communistic rule. Or in other places like in, in Laos or Cambodia or in places of Malaysia. We don't see a lot of the screen in the sense of Christians has been beheaded in America because of the history of the Puritans, what the Lord has done over the history with the Puritans and what America been influenced by with the, what the Puritans have done. Did the Puritans do everything right? No, they did a lot of things wrong. But what we can say though is that a lot of the persecution that we see around the world, we are kind of exempt from that stream persecution because it's happened in history. But will we experience persecution today? Yes. Look at all the laws that have been passed against Christians today. Everything now that what the Christians kind of stand for morally, the world says right now, that's old-fashioned. We don't have to stand for that anymore. So persecution is always going to be around us, but it might not be as extreme what we've seen throughout history. But family, we know that all kingdoms fall. Every kingdom of the world that ever existed failed. The Roman Empire is not ruling anymore. It's not. So one day, it might look different for us. And the persecution might turn for us for the worse. Like in these other places that are getting persecuted extremely. But one thing we say though, the DNA of a Christian is that we never exempt from persecution. Today we just might lose a job in a form of persecution. Might lose a relationship with family member in a form of persecution. We're not exempt. We're gonna, we're gonna have to go through it as Christians. And Paul and Silas exemplifies that in the test today. They get arrested. They didn't do anything in a way of to hurt anybody. Well, I guess they hurt the people's pocketbook. It's just pretty much casting the spirit out of this woman. And now they can't make any money. Now they're arrested. It brings to point number two. Paul and Silas not fearing, now not fearing the current situation. This is a time where Paul and Silas like, man, we also we got locked up for some petty charges. This messed up, y'all. We locked up for some petty charges right here. I ain't like we just hit somebody or something in the Roman Empire. Like, mean, we ain't like we stole from somebody. Man, we ain't sitting here in jail for no reason, for something real silly. That's not them. Look at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. Some verses might have psalms to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. How would you respond? Being locked up for something like this. Being placed in the inner part of the jail. I know myself. I'd be quoting religious freedom. 
Now look at the laws right here, but they're wrong. But look at the laws. I should be able to let go be, be free. I've been trying to start a protest in there to get out of there. Especially in America. Something like this. We'll be protesting and marching, doing everything else. Let's get them out of there. Get us out of here. Not fair. This is not fair. Y'all got us locked up in here. People yelling religious liberty. But do you see the difference between today's Christians or disciples? I mean, today's and compared to the days of Paul and Silas? Look at how they responded. Let's start praying and singing hymns. <laughs> they praying and singing hymns. By midnight, Paul and Saul were praying and singing hymns here. Why are they praying? They were praying because they depended on the Lord. They wasn't afraid of being in the current situation. They weren't afraid to be locked up, y'all. They weren't afraid of persecution. They weren't afraid what lies ahead for them. They might not ever get out of the jail, they probably was thinking. They was fine with that. They was content with that. They was okay to be in this current situation. They were talking to God. They were seeing, seeking God, seeing how his sovereignty is, is working in the midst of them being locked up. And, and this word praying is a participle. This is not that they prayed one time. They were praying. Not knowing how long they were praying, but they were praying. Probably all night, all day, they were singing there praying to the Lord. last that time you guys had a day of just praying to the Lord all day just seeking the Lord reading scriptures praying to the Lord just praying to the Lord a lot of times we pray for five minutes two minutes and everything like ah oh, that's enough for the day but man these, these people right here was actually praying depending on the Lord I think a lot of times we get tired of praying because a lot of our prayers are so self-centered we pray to God what we want and we're done praying. God, I want a new job. God, I want a new car. God, I want this. God, I want this. Oh, I'm through praying now. We go to God and pray in a very selfish way. John O. shares with us what prayer is not. While prayer is more than casual conversation with our creator, it's far from twisting God's arm to get what we want. God is all-powerful. We can't twist his arm. He's too strong. We can't barter with him and any more than my infant daughter can barter with me. She doesn't own anything I need or want. We can't demand anything from God because it's impossible for someone without needs to be coerced. John O said prayer is more than a casual conversation of what we want, what we want, what we want. God, give me this. God, give me this. God, give me this. God, give me this. John O goes on to quote John Calvin here. John Calvin asserts, prayer in the Bible is intimately linked with the gospel. God's promise and provided solution to the problem of a human rebellion against him and its consequences. 
the gospel shapes of shape of prayer is evident from the opening pages of the Bible. In particular, in Genesis 4:26, when people first began to call upon the name of the Yahweh, right through the end, when the church prays, "Come, Lord Jesus," in Revelation 22:20. 20. In a sense, then prayer is saying, "Are we there yet, God?" Please bring about the things that you promised you would. Prayer in the Bible is linked to the hope of redemption and thus the gospel. What is it saying here? Our prayers should be more about God's promises being fulfilled. Prayer is questioning the Lord that his will be done. We call upon the name of the Lord for the seed of the woman to crush the seed of the serpent like the Old Testament saints. So family, how's your prayer life? Is it just talking about the Lord about your goals in life? Our prayers should be rooted in the gospel work of Christ. That it displayed, Lord, how can I live more like you that your name can be claimed to the ends of the earth? Our prayers should be saturated in the glory of God. God, let your kingdom, Mary Natha, come, Lord Jesus. Lord, when are you going to come, Lord, to redeem your people? Lord, you said you're going to save many, Lord. Will you save those around me? Lord, my job is difficult, Lord. But, Lord, let me be a light of the gospel at work that many can be saved. Lord, I'm going to surge me. But Lord, as I go into surgery, let your name be proclaimed. Lord, my health may fail, but maybe someone be saved as they see, Lord, my faith in you. Family, how is our prayer life? If our prayer life is not centered on the gospel and what God is doing in the world, if it's all about what we want from God, what we want from God, why not God be a genie to you then? Ain't that what genius is? You, you, you wipe the thing and you get your three or four wishes? If you're only going to God to ask what you want every single moment, it's not about his kingdom, not for his affections. That's not true biblical prayer. Paul and Saul were praying to the Lord. They was content. They was content by being locked up and seeking the Lord in prayer. And one thing fascinating but not only praying, they were singing hymns. If I'm not mistaken, you guys don't want to know what the word hymn is in the Old Testament? Anybody want to take a guess at that? It's the word Psalms. They were singing Psalms. They went out to the Mount of Olives. That was in Matthew 26, 30. The same word here used in Matthew 26, 30. In the Geneva Bible. And when they had sung a hymn in certain versions... But guess what Matthew 26, 30 is in the Geneva? His psalms. It was out singing a song. They went out to the Mount of Olives singing. Before Jesus is going to be betrayed here in a few moments by Judas, they're out there singing a song. Not know what song they were singing. That's right. They were praying and they were seeking the Lord. So what were they doing? They probably were chanting. As they were singing God's word, they were chanting God's word in the Old Testament song. Could, could it be Psalm 2? The victorious song of the king. Could, 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 could it be a, a, 